Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, Alistair Gold here with the latest episode of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham. There is still no guest. Guest is gallivanting across Europe still. He will be back soon, but instead we have a guest with, with a small G rather than a big G. Um, it is Lee Wilmot, of course, joining me again. How are you doing, Lee? I'm all right, thank you. Um, this uh, will be the last the last of us two together, as it were. Um, Guesty is back next week, so um, normal service is resumed uh, in the, on the podcast and uh, YouTube next week. Yeah, you'll be back. You'll be back. You're fl- you're a bit of a floater. Pardon the expression. You know, you. <laughs> I'd like to sound a bit called worse, but <laughs> you, you you know you'll be dipping your toe in and out of Golden Guest Talk Tottenham in the coming weeks and months, no doubt. Well, you um, are due to have a holiday again soon, aren't you? So, I, I might be. I might be. I, I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> um, yes. So. This, as we said on the last pod, was just going to be a little kind of look ahead uh, and discussing anything else that's kind of cropped up in the week. It's been actually a quiet week for Tottenham Hotspur, which is really weird and very unsettling. It means something awful's about to happen, probably. You mean you haven't got um, any Daniel Levy stuff for me to discuss today? No, no, no. You can, you can keep your Daniel Levy thoughts to yourself. <laughs> just say them around the house to your family. Just, yeah, well, yeah. You know. You don't need to vocalise them to us. That's fine. Um, I think the only real thing that came out that was was interesting, I think, was the Mickey van der Ven's done a couple of interviews. Obviously, he did uh, Ben Haynes from Spurs did a little bit where he drove him around, um, managed to do a loop and get himself back at the Hotspur Way somehow on the A10. Um, and I think he did a little bit with George Sessions from PA as well with some nice answers. Before I kind of delve into some of the things he said... What have you made of Mickey van der Ven thus far? It's um, it's early days, isn't it? But I've liked a lot of what I've seen so far. He's very calm and composed on the ball. Um, I said on the last pod, I, I think that I don't think we've seen very much of his uh, well-voiced pace um, at the minute. Um, so that's that's still to come. But ho- hopefully not in some ways, because normally you re- require that pace when you're out of position, uh, when you're caught upfield too much and, and looking to get back in into position. So, um, yeah, in, in some regards, I, I hope we don't see um, too much that pace. But I was, yeah, it's, it's weird that the, um, that that interview came out. I think people are starting to talk about him, starting to, to recognise his ability um, perhaps that Northland derby was a bit of a watershed moment for him just because I felt like obviously not everyone watches a lot of Spurs like Spurs fans do like we do every week um, I felt like he's gone under the radar a little bit um, he's, he's been quality since he started and I, I'm not sure anyone would have expected him to, to fit it fit in so seamlessly um, coming from a different league um, and only signed very close to the start of the season and thrown into action essentially by Ange Postacoglu which is clearly something that Ange is quite happy to do with new signings. Um, so yeah, I, th- I feel like he's gone a little bit under the radar. People weren't really talking about him. And then there was 
Ian Wright was talking about him on his Wrighty show, a uh, Wrighty's House, sorry, podcast, um, just saying how good he thinks he is. Um, and then this interview comes out with um, Spurs, and then as you say, George Sessions with the with PA. Um, so I think people are going to start to start to really recognise him now and see what a good defender he is, which might not be a good thing for Spurs, but um, it just just kind of bigs him up and and kind of comes across to him at least that he's doing he's doing a good job and he's doing the right thing. Yeah, I absolutely want him to stay under the radar, just like yeah. I did with Destiny or Doggy. I just kind of like, they're ours. <laughs> don't touch, don't talk about them, just let them do their thing. Um, yeah, Mickey van der Ven, exactly what you said there. When you think that he was thrown in in that first game, uh, it's just ridiculous. It was straight in, wasn't it, against Brentford? It's just He was only signed a incredible. week before the season, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he'd had one one training session. I'm trying to remember how it worked. Oh, I can't remember what Postacoglu said now. It was either one or one and a half. And he was just lobbed. Actually, had he even had a training session? A funny feeling he might not have even had that. Oh, I can't remember. But it was, yeah, he's been superb. And there were the the, um, the little kind of uh, giving him a lift home bit was quite nice. I think it showed, he's just got that classic Dutch way about him. He's just very straight talking, very to the point. Like I said, I just love that point where it was like, uh, You've done a loop, haven't you? <laughs> We've come back round. There's the entrance to the training ground. Um, that worked really well. And the fact that he was there that night, that famous night in Ajax, um, in Amsterdam, that was incredible. Um, so I, I was there. I could have looked across somewhere and seen a young Mickey van der Ven out there. What was that? Four years ago. Four and a bit probably, years ago now. probably say younger. He's still quite young, to be fair. He is. 22 <laughs> years old. God, that's terrifying. It makes me feel so old. Um, so what do you mean? Four years? He would have been 18 years old. Yep. Stood watching. Because he said he comes from a little village just outside Amsterdam. Um, and yeah, and he admitted he was a little bit worried. When he saw the first two goals in quite quick, uh, go, go, first two goals go in quite quickly, he was a little bit concerned. But I never got that sense, actually, from the stadium when we were there that night. I don't think the Ajax fans really truly believed they were in trouble until that last dramatic kick from uh, Lucas Moura because they were singing, they were all getting excited about the final whistle coming and then suddenly silence apart from the brilliant Spurs fans and then lots of beer raining down on my head and my laptop and all of us press uh, around us. But yeah, that's quite cool to think that he was there as well as, as a young wannabe um, kind of big player of the future, I guess, and not even knowing that... The, Probably out of the two teams that he was watching, he probably didn't expect it would be Spurs, the one he'd end up playing for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, he seems, comes across as a good guy as well. Um, I think Guesty got him in the mix zone a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, and he said he was he was a good talker. And I was just looking through his quotes from George's interview with him. He talked about Romero. It's quite a nice little bit about Romero. Uh, he says, I think it naturally happened, our partnership on the pitch, and we felt each other quite fast. But when I came, he was also really nice to me and showed me, here is the kitchen and where you can get this. <laughs> so we were sitting with me and we talked to it. So I've got to stop there. <laughs> that, that quote did not go in the direction I was expecting it to. I did not know that he was going to be talking through kitchen etiquette and where <laughs> to find the the, uh, the cutlery. I love that that's the first um, thing that he thinks about. The, the, or the yeah. first thing that Romero says or the first thing that he thinks about when he's thinking about meeting Romero, here's the kitchen. As if, yeah. as a defender, as a big defender, right, this is where you eat your food. <laughs> but that actually does tie in with something he said in his, um, the interview did on the little drive around the um, 
the Spurs training ground back home was that he said he felt a really warm welcome, not in just the sense of, hi, here's this is my name, let's shake my hand. He said everyone was really interested in me, asked loads of questions and stuff. I think Sonny's been very good to him as well. Sonny just... Sonny talks to everyone. I don't know how he has the minutes in the day. He seems to have long chats with every single player. But I thought that was quite cool because Romero, I don't know, you get this sense of him as being this almost like a big old kind of tough guy, don't you? And and I think he absolutely dotes on his little boy. His entire Instagram is just his son, essentially, and, and just loving his son, which is lovely. But you still think of him as, I think, this big, tough guy, hard man image. So the first thing he does is kind of showing around his new centre-back partner around the kitchen. (laughs) I think that's quite cool. Um, And it clearly, it showed on the pitch. It showed on the pitch. So I'll continue with his quotes. Now I'm not thrown off by the kitchen comment. It was really nice the first couple of days I was there, but also on the pitch, it felt good. Of course, he won the World Cup. I saw him play the whole World Cup, so I know his quality already. I think I know what Cootie's qualities are and Cootie knows what my qualities are. So we know what to expect from each other. I have his back and he has my back. He's just an amazing player. And I know when I run in one direction, he's in my back because he's always there. We just feel each other. And of course, it's amazing when you have this as a centre-back duo. Of course, we're shouting to each other, but it's not in a negative way or something. It's always positive. I think I make him maybe more calm and he makes me more aggressive. He'll always be a more aggressive player and me a more calm player, but it fits each other well. They're really good quotes, actually. I hadn't kind of read them in full earlier. I just kind of had a glance. I was going to I ask you that. about that one. That la- The one where he said, I think I make um, Cootie more calm and I think he makes me a bit more aggressive. I think I, I really love that. Um, it's, yeah. it, it just shows... He know he knows what Romero is about. Everyone knows what Romero is about, and we haven't we, we perhaps haven't seen that as much of that this year. He's he's been a lot calmer on the ball, a lot less rash coming out and trying to make challenges, um, and perhaps it is what Mickey Van der Ven brings um, that kind of Dutch laid back um, approach to things and the calmness on the ball. And it, yeah, it's it's clearly working. This is the interesting thing, kind of just processing that right now. We've always just assumed it was the vice captaincy, which I do think is a a very big kind of factor in, in giving him more responsibility and calming him down. But yeah, maybe it is having someone who is so much more laid back and has that pace to help him out if he ever gets stuck up the pitch. But also maybe it's having a young player that he's got to look after. Whereas before, you know, Sanchez or Dyer, it was often an older player alongside him. And I wonder whether he then felt, oh, I've got the license just to be me. Whereas now yeah. he's kind of got a little bit of extra, yeah, responsibility and it adds into that new leadership side of things. That's really interesting. Um, and also the fact that, yeah, to make Van der Ven, I guess, more, I wouldn't say, I suppose aggressive is one style. Maybe just be a bit more front foot, I guess, in the way he defends and, and putting his body suddenly into the way of things and, and, and that was one of the things, funny enough, despite his size that he would get criticised occasionally for in Germany and the Netherlands was his heading. So maybe he's now being encouraged like Romero's bang. <laughs> he just like sticks his head straight in there. Whether that means he is destroying the person while going through them to head it, he will still get his head to that ball. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It's a real yin and yang kind of element to it. They do complement each other in different ways. I think I've just seen them more as the balance, the right foot and the left foot and and maybe the pace and one with, well, I was going to say the skill, but Vendor's got a fair bit of skill. But actually, thinking about it, the whole attitude thing is another very interesting point to it. 
Thank you, the, Mickey, for sticking that into my brain. The the data aspect is what um, Ange Postacoglu has sp- spoken about, hasn't he? And um, there was clear when he first came in that he wanted a data led approach, and perhaps perhaps it's a psychological mindset approach as well that he, that he's looked at. We we don't know what else goes on behind the scenes. Perhaps he's seen that mindset of Mickey Van der Ven and thought, you know what, that can that can help Christian Romero out. Absolutely, and he does say, to be fair, that he says you can only use data to a certain point then you've got to look at the human being and decide whether yep. they fit your system, whether they fit. And actually, it's almost like they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Um, obviously, yes, he will be up against, uh, well, not quite up against, well, maybe from a corner or two, up against Virgil van Dijk as well. Yes, absolutely. That'll, that'll be a little look at, a glance at potentially the Netherlands' future as well yep. because it was called up, but he didn't get any minutes, did he, in his last international appearance um where do you stand i know we're dipping slightly into the preview thing where do you stand on the whole virgil van dyke isn't what he used to be debate it just it certainly feels like that it feels like he's not the kind of the, the player that he was um before he's gonna score now yeah of course he will yeah absolutely 100 percent guaranteed um apologies everyone uh yeah i, I He's still an excellent defender, isn't he? Look, Liverpool are second in the league um, at the minute, um, so there's, there's you. You don't just become a bad player overnight. Um, so yes, I don't think he's quite. I think he was. He was just sensational um, when he when he signed seventy five million pound deal was just a bargain really for for a player that was going to come in and completely dominate Liverpool's backline for two three years. Um, it was just incredible, and I think you're going to have a dip somewhere along the line. I don't think anyone can sustain the levels, um, the, the top levels for a long time. I, don't, I think Salah, you've seen Salah have ups and downs um, over the last year or so. Um, he's clearly back on it right now this season, which doesn't bode well for us. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for us on Saturday either. But um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to sustain that sort of level um, for the entirety of your career. Um, and I think it just coincided, it's no, no coincidence really, it coincided that as Virgil van Dijk took a little bit of a dip, Liverpool took a little bit of a dip, um, just shows you the quality of player that he is and how important he is to the team. Absolutely. Yeah, and you can't, you really can't underestimate how how serious injuries affect a player's career as well and how long it takes to get back to any level of real sharpness and form. And this is the thing, isn't it, with Rodrigo Bentancur's we await to yep. see just how long it's going to take him to get back up to speed um, because a lot of people are going to be very excited, I think, at seeing him back. But it's not, well, I say it's not going to be the same Benton call to begin with, but then we didn't expect him to settle so quickly when he joined. So who knows? He might surprise everyone again. But, uh, but then the main thing is just... everyone's looking forward to him coming back. And I'm, I'm one of those because I think he is an outstanding midfielder. Um, and I think he only makes the team better. But then it becomes, well, who, who, who misses out, essentially, if he comes back into the team? And the one that misses out is Papsar. Um, and he has been excellent. Um, he's a young young kid, um, been superb in that midfield. Um, and I just I just feel like, and you've spoken about it before, Ange Postacoglu really trusts him and is is more than happy to have him playing in there. And, and you can see why he's, he's a gifted player, obviously. Perhaps that just gives Rodrigo Bentancur a little bit of extra time to to work his way yeah. back into it because there's not as much pressure on him to return to the team as there was before. Great shout. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Bentancur's going to be phenomenal as long as he can get back to where he was in this system. It just, 
you kind of forget just how good he was on the ball and how good he was at spraying the ball around as well. His passing range was superb. And he developed weirdly in a way because it wasn't something that was in his past so much. He developed into this goal-scoring yeah. midfielder. So as a number eight, he's absolutely going to be perfect. But yeah, Papamatsar is going to, you know, they don't call him star boy around the club for nothing. He's going to be, it could be one of the best around if everything develops in the way it's meant to develop in, in terms of his game and his, just everything about it. He's just, his, his engine is ridiculous as well. And he's so skillful. And he's so mature beyond his years um, on the pitch, off the pitch. He does seem like, like a bit of a kid, which is quite funny. Um, you kind of have to remind yourself, these are just young guys at the end of the day. Um, but now Van der Ven, the other little bit to point out in his, his interview was when he was talking about Van Dijk. Oh, actually, the other thing he did go on about was um, go on about. <laughs> like he, was like, <laughs> um, he spoke about how, um, oh, what was the exact bit I've got it here? It was about being an underdog, essentially. And that's why he loves the fact that, you know, it's a new team. It's a team that everyone's written off because Harry Kane left. But he loves that because his whole career has been proving people wrong and at uh was it Volendam where he was he was um pretty much almost let go and then they changed manager and the manager who came in was like why why are they about to let him go he's absolutely he could be brilliant and then shock horror within you know a few games proved himself got himself a new contract and everything and, and ended up in the Bundesliga as well um was it Vim Young I'm trying to remember yeah it was Vim Young yeah yeah I thought it was someone quite quite famous. But when he was talking about Van Dijk as well, he said that his um, his ambition is to be one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League and I will work hard for it to make it happen. But I've just started, so hopefully I can be there in I don't know how many years. We want to know exactly how many years, <laughs> Nicky. Don't, uh, you know, don't be too vague. No, I think he's going to be class. He's, he's, he already is. Um, he's going to have a few bumps in the road. Every young defender does. There's going to be, like you say, little moments in any player's career where it has a dip. Um, but he's adapted very quickly and very well to what he has to do. Um, Christian Romero seems to be taking those those little bad moments away from him, to be fair. Perhaps, perhaps he's doing it on purpose, the own goal and the penalty. Yeah, although <laughs> he did start off, didn't he, Van de Ven deflecting a couple in. Yep. Um, Spurs have been very generous, haven't they, this season? Yep. It's almost like... We're going to score so many goals against you. I kind of feel like we should give you a couple. <laughs> it's like, they're not really goals that the other team has scored. Most no. of them have been kind of deflected things or iffy penalties, which are oh, honestly, because um, after our little discussion about that and the, the penalty in the last episode, we've had so many people giving us their opinions on that, which is great. But just you could see how many different ways people are looking at it. And there's other people bringing in, which, to be honest, I hadn't noticed at the time, saying that, A, that Madison was fouled in the build-up as well, but also it may have got a slight deflection in on the way as well, which makes it even more of a he-had-no-chance-Romero moment. So uh, no, I found that fascinating. Hopefully we don't have anything controversial against Spurs this weekend. Um, but before we dive into the preview side of this, I should remind everyone um, that, of course, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, and you can use this service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Something I've used many, many times over the years, long before they came on board with the podcast. It's so helpful on holidays. It's been helpful on work trips, going places, just being able to kind of get stuff that you'd watch 
back home, get it wherever you are in the world, despite those pesky restrictions, because you can just get around those by making your device think it's back home in the UK. And it's also really good for security reasons in terms of people trying to nab stuff off of your devices via those public Wi-Fi hotspots. Uh, and not only that, but the outlay on the NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run, and that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could book a flight from another country, and it could be cheaper than booking it from the UK. So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So, looking towards this weekend, uh, the visit of a very informed Liverpool to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium which I'm hoping will be the noisiest the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has been in a long, long time. And it's been pretty noisy recently, actually. We've had some really good kind of crowds. I just hope the good feeling is harnessed. What are you expecting from this match? Um, <laughs> it's hard to say. What does your heart say and what does your head say? Uh, my heart says that um, I'm expecting... I think you're always expected a good game. Uh, these are they're always good games between Spurs and Liverpool. Um, so of course it'll be nil nil now. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, more often than not, there's goals in them. Uh, I think there's more opportunity for goals with Ange Postecoglou at the helm as well. I just it's just a horrible fixture. Um, it, historically, Chelsea used to be the one that was the the hoodoo and the curse and that, and it feels like that's kind of been lifted a little bit in the last couple of years. Liverpool is awful. The, our record against Liverpool is atrocious. Um, I've I've got the, got it here. One win for Tottenham in the last ten years is extraordinary. Um, we've lost six of the last eight. I think it is against Liverpool, or eight of the last ten. It might be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the last ten. We've lost against Liverpool. Um, oh, yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's 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 a really poor record. Um, but it's one of those that I, 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 I think back at some of the fixtures and I think, oh, we were unlucky there. Uh, we were unlucky there. And I've seen a video, someone's posted a video on, on social media this week, um, just of all the misses that we've had against Liverpool in the last five or six years. Um, all the late goals that Liverpool have scored. Sissoko. Sissoko. When he ran through and Van Dijk was like, I'm not going to let you pass to Son. You're going to have yeah. the shot. You're going to have the shot. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Deli Ali missing one on one with with Allison. Stephen Bergwijn two chances that one hit the post, one oh, that he just me. sliced wide, uh, and then late goals everywhere. Even the one, um, even the draw, the the Harry Kane penalty in the ninety fifth minute for the for the draw. People, well, people won't forget, but Harry Kane had the opportunity to effectively win the game with the penalty earlier, which would have put Spurs two one up going into injury time. And would have changed the whole complexion of that wonder goal that Salah scored two minutes later in injury time. If Kane had put the ball in the net, obviously, to put Spurs 2 1 up, yeah. Salah wouldn't necessarily have happened because the passage of play that changes. Yama Rocket. Yeah, that's the one Yama Rocket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to an entertaining game. I'm not necessarily looking forward to what the final score is going to be just because of our our history with Liverpool. It's surely you think it's got to change sometime, but they are in such great form. We're in great form. It'll probably be a draw again. Well, Ange will tell you the past is a past. Nothing to yeah. do with him. 
as he said the other day, how many of those players actually started the last North London derby? You know, it's it's a very new look team. That's the only thing I would say that every game does feel a bit fresh and you don't know what's going to come from it. But I think we do know that they're going to attack and they're going to attack with a lot of kind of, I mean, I mean, look at that side, even just going back to the last Premier League game, you know, Diaz, who Spurs know very well <laughs> because they wanted him. Um, Nunes and Salah are all up front. And, and this is the ridiculous thing, you know, they've lost what Mane and Firmino, like the famous front three. And it's like, oh, the front three is still really good. <laughs> it's, it's, like, like it's like a five now because you've only mentioned three there. You've got Jota and yeah. um, Gakpo as well in that. Absolutely. Yeah, Gapko was good, wasn't he? I think last night as well. Yeah. Um, again, does that play a part last night? You know, do that certainly some of my Arsenal supporting friends felt that Arsenal players started to fade a bit despite having an easier time in midweek against PSV. They felt they faded a little bit fitness wise. I mean, Liverpool changed it up a fair bit, didn't they, last night? I don't think it's going to hit them quite as hard, although they had to bring a couple off the bench. Um, yeah, it's. I'm trying to think where my head's at with this game. I think being at home and the crowd behind them and the mood Spurs are in right now, they're going to have a really good go at it. And yeah. I think they hopefully will give their best account of themselves. Much will be, same as we said at Arsenal, really, on how much Liverpool try to break them down up front, uh, so at in top, in front of Tottenham's defence in, in seizing on any mistakes maybe they'll make from trying to pass out the back. Talking of passing out from the back, I saw, I'm not going to name where, but I saw on a, uh, a social media platform, I saw people having a, a big debate, a Spurs fans, about why are Spurs just playing it out from the back? Why can't they just lump it out of danger? And I was kind of like, it was a little bit dispiriting, I'll be honest with you. It was a bit like, have you not listened or watched anything that's been going on in the past couple of months? It was like, I can understand how fans will have seen, you know, like the Arsenal game, like, ooh, what are you doing now? Why do you keep playing it? It's like, but if you haven't figured out, that's exactly what Tottenham Hotspur are meant to be. I mean, for goodness sake, the motto is to dare is to do. Yep. <laughs> it's like, that's exactly what they're meant to be doing. And I personally, I hate it when it's hoofed up from the back. We saw the one time that was done against Arsenal and it went all the way through to the opposite, um, to uh, Raya from um, Vicario's kick. I don't want to see that. I hate it when Spurs, I hated that under Conte Mourinho when that happened. Essentially turning Kane into like a target yep. man. It was like the utter waste of his abilities. I um, um as as you know, I, I coach my son's um, youth football team, so they're they're under thirteens now. Um, and there's been a number of times over the years where some of his teammates have said, "Why why aren't we getting the ball quicker uh, up the field quicker? Why why don't we, why don't we let the um, goalkeeper from the goal kick boot it long?" Um, and I've had to explain to them so many times, like if if we boot it long, not only does it always come straight back at us because no one wants to head the ball. Um, it come you're kind of missing out an entire defence, an entire midfield if you're trying to boot the ball straight up to the goalkeeper. And I say to them, we're all here to play football. Um, how are you playing football if the only time you're getting the ball is when you're having to tackle the opposition to get it? Why, when we've got the ball to start with, do we not want to play football out from the back, essentially? Why do we not want to pass the ball around and try and score goals that way rather than always having to win it back from the opposition? And... Um, yeah, I am um, actually. Sorry, I'm going off on a complete tangent here. It's not Spurs right. Apologies, everyone. Costa Cogley, you go for it. Um, I, we had training last night 
and I'd watched a, um, a Steve McLaren video um, where he did a, a session with um, a group of 14, 16 people, um, seven against seven, I think it was in the middle with a couple of floaters and then two on the outside, essentially. Um, and he explained in that session, the first six passes are crucial because the, another team is going to press you as much as they can to try and win the ball back straight away. But as soon as you get six passes in, that press eases off and you've got more room to play your passes around and then play your football a bit higher up the pitch. And and it's it's so true, really. One, if you can beat that press, and yes, it is a risky business, and we've seen Spurs run into trouble a few times, but once you beat that press, the football that you can come up with in an attacking sense is just so pleasing on the eye. Absolutely. Football is about as much about using the space as it is using the ball. That's just what it that's what football is. And I just hopefully the more Postacoglu does this with his team, you absolutely missed the Postacogli um thing I said there because you that I was really happy with that. Um, <laughs> I was in my rant, sorry. You were, you were you were mid rant. Um yeah, I think when people realise why they're doing it, little things like why Romero suddenly sometimes will slow down with the ball. He won't just like march out with it or pass it. It's because he wants someone to come towards him. Because the moment that come, person comes towards him, yeah, it might be a little bit scary for the, the viewing public. But if he brings him to him and passes it on, suddenly there's space in behind that player. It's kind of, it's, it is, it's just, it's the whole, it's very akin to the Dutch style of football, using the space. That was what Cruyff was, uh, and Renus Michel, was it Michels? I was trying to remember how you pronounce his surname. Um, they were all about the space, and that was where total football came from as well. Um, and obviously, funnily enough, Postacoglu was, he and his dad used to watch the um, the Dutch in the World Cup as well, 1974 together. So maybe it all kind of uh, harks back to that as well. I think Risk and reward, isn't it? Absolutely risk and reward. So there's going to be more of that this weekend. There's going to be times when Liverpool are kind of invited onto Spurs and, and we're all going to be like, oh God, Salah's almost there. And we're going to have to see what they do with it because if they can get around them, then that's the thing. I mean, just if we were to go on the 11 that started against West Ham, you know, if Salah is sucked in towards the Spurs uh, defence, let's say Brennan Johnson, if he's fit enough to play, suddenly he's up against, well, from the weekend, it was Gomez at right back. Uh, you know, and that's that's the kind of matchup you want to see Brennan Johnson in. I don't think, by the sounds of it, Trent Alexander-Arnold, whether he'll be fit enough for a place on the bench, I don't know. It certainly seemed to be some light training this week. Um, but yeah, it's it's so key to playing around them, like you say, um, in those kind of early passes. And I think another big thing clearly is also going to be those, as we say with Johnson, those who are fit and available to play this weekend. It seems like, hopefully, fingers crossed some positivity. With Madison, there was certainly positivity around it in the immediate aftermath. Um certainly coming from the player's point of view and certainly what we could see and kind of watching him go around. I don't think he's been that involved in team training from what I can understand this week. Um, I think it will be a case now of him getting some, even if it's just some light training in ahead of the game. To be honest with Madison, he's been carrying so many little kind of problems, I think, in the last couple of weeks, little issues with various parts of his body. I think some of them picked up on England duty as well that I think it is just a case of managing him. And it and if it is that, you know, he can kind of keep himself ticking over fitness-wise, maybe in the gym or something, and then on Saturday morning, they just wheel him out there. I mean, Ledley did it every single week for years. Um, I think Madison's that important. I think you do try to do that. And if it's the case that you 
hope that England don't call him up. And if they do, don't play him much. Maybe he has the international break after the Luton game to try and rest up and recover himself a bit. Um, so fingers crossed, He there's a positive kind of vibe around him at the moment. I mean, Postacoglu may come in tomorrow and destroy that in his press conference, but certainly everything we've been hearing seems reasonably positive. Uh, and the same with Brennan Johnson. I think he had a precautionary scan um, in the middle of this week just to kind of check when everything had settled down, how things were doing. But it very much, from what I understand, was precautionary. Um, and hopefully with him, it was just a tight hamstring. Whether they don't take the risk and start him, potentially, maybe they put him on the bench. But I'd love to see him in full flight going at that Liverpool defence, especially at home. Um, as long as they're sure that he's not going to tweak anything or pull anything if he does do that. I mean, if he doesn't play, let's say, uh, if Johnson doesn't play, what would you want the front of three to be? Um, if Johnson's not fit, I think I would probably um, I'd probably go with Mana Solomon um, on the left-hand side. Uh, Sonny's display on uh, on Sunday just suggests that I think he should be playing through the middle again um, until such a time as we, we think he'd be better off on the left and Richarlison playing through the middle. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Not sure what... It's harsh to say I'm not sure what Richarlison brings to it. I'm not sure how... It's very harsh. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean it like that. I'm, I, I just, I'm just trying to... I'm not sure that he makes things too much different to how we want to play. I think if you're, if Brennan Johnson comes out, I think I'd much prefer to see Solomon on there and playing Sonny through the middle just because of what we've seen in the last few weeks. And if we have a game like against Sheffield United where Sonny doesn't doesn't do anything, then you've got Richarlison to come off the bench and hopefully change the game, um, which he's, he's clearly capable of doing. Um, I don't, I don't think he he won't want to be a substitute and and having that impact, being, a, being an impact sub. And I think he's better than that really. Um, but I think just at the minute, it's probably best to, to keep it as it is. Um, and yeah, Solomon's not done a lot wrong, really, um, to, to, to come out. I don't, I don't think he did a lot wrong to come out in favour of Brent Johnson in the North London derby. Um, obviously, Ange wanted to, to throw the, the young young lad in and, and give him his first taste of a big match, and I thought he did well. Um, and if he is fit, as you say, his pace, I'd love to see that against potentially Joe Gomez and just see how see what he can get out of him. And, and that, that front three just getting up the Liverpool back line, essentially. Matip got much pace. I'm trying to remember. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of Matip, if I'm honest. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's the greatest yeah. defender in the world. Yeah, well, this is what I'm thinking. It's more in terms of does Richarlison offer him and Van Dijk more of a traditional threat than Sonny would? Whereas with Sonny, it's going to be a case of bang, like put it through, yeah. he's off, and yeah. he's away, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I would probably stick with Mana Solomon. I I thought Mana Solomon has well worked quite hard in the North London derby when he came on in tracking back. He did a lot of work in his own half as well. Um, and yeah, he's he's got that skill, I think, to to give Gomez a lot of problems as well. Um, Richardson at the moment, cue him starting at the weekend, <laughs> but I think at the moment, he's kind of got a really good role to be able to play from the bench. Uh, in terms of being an absolute pain in the backside to teams that are already a little bit knackered or whatever. Um, well, we yeah. both, before the before the North London derby, we both said we'd probably start Richarlison after what happened against Sheffield United, and he didn't start. So true. now we both said he's not going to start. Richarlison <laughs> will of course start against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. Yeah, we, we, we 
Is it, I, don't think I was going to say it's, we jinx them, but it's not really, is it? I suppose we jinx Richarlison, I guess we could say yeah. that. Um, and that midfield battle, of course, is going to be a biggie um, with the way Basuma, Madison and Sarah are playing. I was looking at the yellow cards. I did the Q&A a little bit earlier on, on Football to London and someone asked about the yellow cards and I hadn't looked it up, actually. Basuma's on three already. So he's got about 17 games not to get two more. <laughs> it's like, eh. um, he might struggle with that. Yeah, um, might be. Although hopefully he just waits off until um, Benton calls back. Yeah. Although you're probably going to play Hoybier, aren't you, instead of Basuma, I'd imagine. I would have thought Skippy. so. Um, but yeah, it should be it should be a good game. It should be. It's It's a game where, especially having been in that press conference room when um Klopp had a rant about I wouldn't play in that way when Spurs went there and, and got a draw. That was Conte, wasn't it? Was that yeah. Conte? Yeah. Um they blend together a little bit. Um I can't imagine now that he can come to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and his team sit back and hope to break Spurs down on the counter attack because that would surely, Jurgen, go against everything you said <laughs> you wouldn't do. Um, so I will be watching very keenly on that. So it should, if he sticks to that, be an end-to-end game. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be, a, hopefully, a, should be a I think it's a sellout crowd. Um, absolutely full-voiced. Um, where are you watching it this weekend? You're not by the side of a, a grass pitch somewhere, are you? No, I'm not. I will actually be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, this weekend watching watching the game uh, live. So, um Yes, um, it's a bit annoying that I'm not going to be part of the pod next week, actually, isn't it? <laughs> Having actually gone to the game. Well, exactly. Maybe maybe we get you on. Maybe yep. we have Gold Guest and Wilmot, because I don't know whether Guest will be back in the country or not on how much you'll see of the game. So we may have to rely on your um, extra pair of eyes anyway. We'll see how it goes. But uh, go on in. What's your score prediction? Uh, it'd probably be... Um, I, I said before the North London derby um, that I thought it was going to be two all, um, and it turned out to be two all. And I, it's boring, but I think there's probably going to be the same again um, this weekend. Uh, two all. Um, it would be nice to sneak it um, three two. Um, I'm going to err on the side of caution and say two all. Um, get out of those two games with two draws um, and move on. Essentially, because looking at it, you. you if you if you come away from Arsenal and you come away from Liverpool with your unbeaten record intact, October brings about Luton, Fulham, Crystal Palace, and you start thinking that's that's ten games into the season. Then if you pick up maximum points from those three, then everyone really does start to get excited about Tottenham, don't they? I'm going for two one for Tottenham, and yes, we get overexcited, <laughs> start claiming the titles in the bag. Um, the one thing I was going to huge. ask you, actually, is um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, the table, obviously. There's four teams unbeaten. They're four of the top five. They're, it's Brighton sandwiched in, in between. It's early days, but do you think they are the best four teams in the league at the minute? Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, with Brighton. With Brighton. I think Brighton have had such a good start this season. I think... I think we'll the only thing with them kind of... is what's what's happened to Newcastle to start with. They're, they're kind of focused on the yeah. Champions League. Brighton are going to be focused on the Europa League. Can they do midweek and weekends? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've just kind of got this real feeling about Spurs. And it's not just on, on based on what we're seeing, but also the fact that they are going to be a bit like the Arsenal of last year and, and the Leicester and the Chelsea's in previous years when they haven't had European football. I know Arsenal had 
there's some form of European football, didn't they, last year? Yeah, Europa League. Last kind year. Of, yeah, Europa League, that was it. But they were putting out, let's be honest, a very much a, a mixed team for it so they could really focus on the Premier League. I just feel like Spurs, it's, just, it's the classic ridiculousness of Spurs. They've gone from a season where they've been horrendous and finished in eighth place. And genuinely, this season, if they harness all of this positivity with all of the free weeks they have in between, they really could do something fantastic. Obviously, it's then about building or whatever they managed to do this season. But um, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely would put Spurs up there in that kind of top teams at the moment. Um, yeah, but it's a case of building on it and steering clear of injuries. There's still a couple of parts of the squad that yeah. worry me. It, it really does. But uh, yeah, so I'm going for 2-1. Um, and then, honestly, when you get to that stage and some of the teams they've played, I think you, you shove in there that you've played Man U, whatever people think about Man U, but you've played Man U, Arsenal and Liverpool. If they can come away with either a point or a win, yeah. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly I, I could get far too carried away. But um that's part of being a, a fan, isn't it? That, a bit more carried away than, than you saying that Spurs could finish fifth in the um, podcast the other week, which I, I noticed a few people commented, fifth, only fifth. Yeah, well, I've got to play it cool, <laughs> haven't I? Well, I'll go for fifth now and then anything else is a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Fifth would be absolutely fine. Yeah. I, I, I would, if, if, if someone offered you fifth now, would you take it? Yeah, yeah. It's Champions League football next year, isn't it? And it's it's that progression um, under Ange Postacoglu. Um, I don't want to get too carried away. If if you said to me in November and we're still unbeaten, would you take fifth now? I might change my mind. Um, but at the at the minute, it's it's so early. Um, yes, there's loads of optimism. Yes, we're all excited about the style of football and the goals we're scoring and the points we're picking up. Um, but yeah, I think I would still absolutely take fifth right now and, and take Champions League football next year and, and then build in the transfer window for a, a bigger squad and see what Ange can do on two fronts then next season. Just two fronts? Well, two main fronts. <laughs> I want it all. I want everything. All right, I'm opening that up question up to everyone. So if you're watching this on YouTube, comment underneath, would you take fifth place right now? Personally, I'd be gutted that I would not be able to watch the rest of the season because I think it's going to be good fun. Um, but would you take fifth now if offered, bearing in mind it's likely to bring a Champions League place? And if you are listening to this um, over whichever way you're listening, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, chuck us a line on any kind of social media and let us know whether you would take fifth place or not right now. I, I think it'd be a nice way to judge how excited fans are getting yeah. right now, whether they take that or not. Um, because I think some of them won't. Um, but I'm, I think I'm, I may be in the camp of taking it. And why, yeah, why not? Um, we've, we've said this before, as Ange said, let, let the fans dream. Let them build up those expectations. If the fans have already got that because of the first six games of the season, then, then why not? Um, if fans are already thinking, oh, do you know what? We, we might be able to be the ones that are closest to Man City this year. Why not? There's, I've not seen anything to, to suggest that we couldn't be the, the team to challenge Man City this year. Um, I'm not going to bring Thanos into it again, um, but it's it's. <laughs> I can't see I can't see anyone else winning the league apart from them. Um, I don't think. I don't, I don't think Spurs are ready to to do that yet. Um, it would be no. unbelievable if we were to to be right up there of the last couple of games of the season. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason why we can't be the best of the rest this year from what I've seen so far. 
Maybe, maybe. We'll see. I still think there's going to be, it's a very young squad and I think they'll have a little sticky period and it's oh, about yeah. how they kind of respond to that. And also the fans respond to that as well. Yeah. But uh, that's a whole other thing. Right. I think we better wrap it up there because it was only going to be a little quick preview one. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Hopefully, uh, Madison and Johnson are both in a good enough space to or place to start. If not, maybe one of them on the bench. But uh, we'll get more news from the press conference tomorrow. Keep an eye on football.london because, as usual, we'll be shoving everything up there. We'll have a live blog from the press conference, a transcript, and also the late quotes, the embargo quotes that people are still trying to understand why that still happens. I always get people going, like, why is there half 10 quotes? What does that actually mean? Um, it's just an old traditional newspaper way of, I think, mainly trying to bury quotes in the middle of the night, hoping that people won't see them until they read the papers the next day. But the modern world doesn't really work like that anymore. There's this thing called the internet and a thing called a world where different time zones exist. So it's not half 10 everywhere, um, but it's fine. We'll still put them out there as long as... Uh, that's the t- the time it's set to be. So keep an eye on all of that tomorrow. And uh, of course, on Saturday, we'll be at the game, um, which I am really looking forward to. It'll be a cracking one. So, uh, right, we're going to head off now. Thanks as always, Lee, for being such good company. And uh, Guesty will return. I wonder if he'll have some kind of, like some kind of European accent. It feels like he's been away forever. <laughs> Guesty with a, a northern European accent. accent. <laughs> There's a thought. Yep. Um, yeah, and I guess he'll be back and I can uh, be lazy again and, and not have to do all the hosting stuff. I prefer just being the guy in the background. It's, it's just nice. Asking me the old question. Yeah, I, can, I can see. I can see <laughs> you enjoyed it. Um, right, yeah, we're going to head off now. Enjoy the rest of your days ahead of the game and we will be back next week to discuss and analyse and dissect exactly what went on against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team. To grab a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest and you can receive an extra four months for free. And there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box below.